0: This is the Harvest Community Church Podcast with Pastor Michael Jones. And now, let's join today's message already in progress. Greetings, Harvest family and friends. This is Pastor Mike Jones of Harvest Community Church in Birmingham, Alabama, where we are a community of worshipers committed to Christ, commissioned to serve, and called to pray without ceasing. This is a day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Well, it's time to get into the word of God. So if you have your Bibles, open them up quickly to Mark chapter 10, and we're going to read verses 35 through 45. Mark 10:35 through 45. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, "Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask." He said to them, "What do you want me to do for you?" They said to him, "Grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, We are able. So Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink the cup that I drink, and with the baptism I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left Is not mine to give, but it is for those whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. Let's pray. Father, we ask that You would speak to us through Your Word today. Open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things out of your law. This is our prayer. We ask that you would help us to see Jesus and in seeing him, help us to believe on him and believing on him, help us to be saved. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Won't you say amen, amen, and amen. Well, uh, we're continuing on in our series entitled Remembering Jesus And the topic for today is simply leadership that makes a difference. Leadership that makes a difference. Men and women, I was told years ago that everything rises and falls on leadership. Leadership is so important that it affects every area of our lives. We need leadership in the home. We need leadership in the community. We need leadership in the church. There's leadership that governs education. There's leadership that governs health care. There's leadership that governs uh, politics and and government. Every area of our lives is dependent upon good leadership. But what kind of leadership? I believe that in remembering Jesus, we need to remember that Jesus was uh, a leader. He was the Messiah. He was Christ. He was God become man. He is our Savior. But he is also the best example of leadership that we can ever have. And in the Gospel of Mark, there is a passage in chapter 10 that we just read that is really the, the, the key. It is really the foundation. It is really the major theme of the whole Gospel of Mark. And that is the theme of servant leadership. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus is portrayed as a servant. Servant. As the perfect man who has come to serve and to sacrifice and to give his life as a ransom for many. This passage in the Gospel of Mark is the foundational passage of the entire book. And I'd like to just speak briefly and walk us through the passage and then come with with three leadership principles that I think all of us need to have. If you're in the home and you have any kind of responsibility, you're a leader. If you are, are are in an area of life where you are in contact with people and you have responsibility for people, you are in leadership. You could be a parent and you're leading children, you're in leadership. You could be responsible for a ministry in church, you are in leadership. You could be responsible for a duty or a task on your job, and that makes you a leader. And I think in this day and age, we are bombarded with, with, with such unrighteous, ungodly leadership that we need to be reminded of the kind of biblical leadership, the kind of godly leadership that Jesus portrays. And this is the foundational passage for it. Look at your Bibles, and let's just kind of walk through the passage in the beginning, in verse 35, James and John come to Jesus and, and they have a request. They said, Lord, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. In verse uh, 36, the Lord says, what do you want me to do for you? Down in verses 30, 37, they said, grant that we might sit one on your right hand and one on your left hand when you come into your glory. We want to be great. We want to sit on your right and on your left Those were the positions of ultimate authority where if you were a king, you would sit on the right and sit on the left and those who had those seats would have positions of great authority. Well, the Lord in verses 38 and 39 says, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm drinking of? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? In Matthew chapter 20, a, a corresponding chapter uh, uh, which depicts the same story, he talks about suffering. And in that passage, right before it, he talks about going to the cross. And so the Lord is referring to the kind of leadership that is sacrificial. Are you ready to be in a position of sacrifice? Are you ready to give your all and be a leader? That's what the Lord is saying and down in verse 41, I'm sorry. Yeah, verse 41, it says that when the other disciples heard that James and John were asking for these positions of authority, it says that they were greatly displeased. Probably because they wanted those positions of authority. They wanted to be in charge. As a matter of fact, in the previous chapter, they argued over who would have these great positions. Men and women, leadership is so seductive. Because unrighteous, ungodly leadership means that an individual is a dictator or in charge or in control. It's not servanthood at all. And yet they're seduced into wanting to be, to have power of leadership. Look at verse 42. The Lord calls them to himself. He almost it's almost as if he has a huddle and brings them to himself and he says to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet, in verse 30, 43, It shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. I want to stop right here at verses 42 and 43 and, and, and just make a point about uh, ungodly leadership and godly leadership. If you look down at verse 42, it says, But Jesus called them to Himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. I was reading an article this week about leadership and notice what points the author brings out about ungodly leadership. Leadership that is not biblical. Leadership that is worldly. Leadership that has a standard based on our own human efforts toward leadership. And here are some of the characteristics. Ungodly leadership is prideful. It's selfish. The leader yells and screams and demands his way. The leader never apologizes. The leader is controlling. The leader is emotionally, verbally abusive. The leader tries to take free will away from others. It's a leadership that is divisive. It's disrespectful to others. It calls people's names. It's rude. There is a lack of love and compassion. Uh, The leader may be a bully. The leader may be violent. The leader calls evil good and good evil. The leader is given toward negativity. The leader complains a lot. The leader is greedy. The leader seeks to get what he can from others. These are characteristics of ungodly leadership. And yet, in the same article, he gives in contrast the characteristics of godly leadership. Godly leadership. The leader seeks God's will above his own will. The leader humbly longs to obey God with all of his heart. The leader seeks to avoid the sinful extremes of passivity and control. The leader is patient, kind, thoughtful, gentle. The leader respects God himself and others. The leader cares about the needs of others and not just himself. The leader is willing to listen to other people's ideas. The leader is willing to admit when wrong. The leader is slow to anger. The leader demonstrates agape love. The leader is willing to make sacrifices to be a godly man or a godly woman. The leader is not willing to be pushed around or controlled. The leader stands up for what is right and has integrity. The leader does not compromise and the leader seeks to inspire and bless others. That's godly leadership. And what Jesus is doing with the disciples here is he's saying those Gentiles, those who are ungodly leaders, they exercise authority and and seek control dictatorship and power and then he says but it is not so among you your type of leadership and my type of leadership is different there is a different standard of leadership there is a different type of leadership there is a different quality of leadership and men and women that is what we must aspire to I believe that we need leaderships and leaders in the home. We need leaders in the community and we need leaders in the church. God is looking for leaders who will be like Jesus. And so down in verses 43 through 45, he says, it, yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant and whoever of you desires to be first, shall be slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Verse 45 is a key for the entire gospel of Mark. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. One person said this and I greatly agree. He said that servanthood is the heartbeat of the Christian life. Men and women, God has called us to serve. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. With that verse, verse 45, I'd like to give you three points of Jesus' leadership. Three points that makes Jesus different as a leader. Point number one is simply his selfless motivation. Look at the first part of of, uh, uh, verse 45. For even the Son of Man, even the Son of Man. Men and women, some think that you can be above serving. But this phrase, even the Son of Man, even God become man, even Jesus the Christ, even the Messiah, even the Creator of the world, even your Savior and your Lord and, and, and your God, uh, even He, even the Son of Man did not come to be served. Even the Son of Man. And men and women, Son of Man just does not just refer to Jesus in His humanity. The Son of Man is another title given to Jesus as the controller of everything that was ever created. The Son of Man in Jewish culture refers to Daniel, the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, where it says, Daniel is writing and he sees a vision and he says, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven... He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought Him near before Him. Then to Him, this Son of Man, to Him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all the peoples, nations, and languages should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and His kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed." Even the Son of Man did not come to be served. Even the Son of Man who has dominion. Even the Son of Man who has a kingdom. Even the Son of Man who has an everlasting dominion and a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served. And men and women, His, his selfless motivation He was able to lay down all of that and become a servant. He was able to lay down all of that and say, my task on this earth is to serve others and not myself. That's point number one, his selfless motivation. But look at the second part of the verse. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. Men and women... His selfless motivation, but also his service. He came to serve. He came to give. He came to, 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 to make others shine. If you were to read the Gospel of Mark, you would notice that the Gospel of Mark has a higher percentage of, of the, the miracles of Jesus that are mentioned than any of the other Gospels. 18 out of Jesus' 35 miracles are listed in the Gospel of Mark. It's almost as if Mark is saying, I want to show you how much Jesus served. He healed. He taught. He fed the hungry. He clothed the naked. He healed the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He gave, gave power and might to those who were lame. He, he went from place to place. He ministered to Jews. He ministered to Gentiles. He ministered to the outcasts. He ministered to those who were shunned. He ministered to those who were forgotten. He was a servant. His service, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And men and women, we've got to stop saying that my highest goal in life is to serve Jesus Christ. No, He did not come to be served, but to serve us. And there is a a perspective in the Christian life that I think that we need to change. Either we focus on what we can do for Him, or we operate in thanksgiving and joy based on what He has done for us. Let me say that again. Our focus in the Christian life can either be on what we can do for Him, or what He has already done for us. And men and women, I want to focus on what He has done for us. Because as I focus on what He has done for me, as He serves me, that gives me a heart, a heart for service, a heart and a vision to make my life count as as a grateful servant to the Most High God. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served. He didn't come to be served. His his service is that, that, that He is always on the move. He is always, even the Word of God says that He lives now to make intercession for us. He is working for us. That His death on the cross is always operating on our behalf. That we are have been saved. We are being saved. And we will be saved based on what Jesus Christ has done, is doing, and will do for us. He's always serving us. He's always giving to us. He's always making us shine. He's always giving us the spotlight. He's always making provision. He's always giving us His power. He's always giving us His pardon. He is always praying for us. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served. But to serve and to give. And the last part is His sacrifice. His selfless motivation, His service, and His sacrifice. The last part of that verse says, Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And then the last part is, And to give His life as a ransom for many. That word ransom actually means and it it refers to the shed blood of Christ as a ransom price. As if we were held captive, as if we were kidnapped by the enemy. And the enemy has said that there is a ransom price. And, And the Father has put a price to be paid for us to be redeemed or to be ransomed. And it was the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, it says, "...knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from the aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot." We have not been redeemed by gold or, or precious stone. We have not been redeemed by silver or gold, but we've been redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. That His sacrifice on the cross is another act of His service. That His sacrifice on the cross is pivotal in understanding our goal and our, our our reason and our purpose for living. His sacrifice on the cross was substitutionary. He died in my place. His sacrifice on the cross was, was, was sacrificial in nature because He didn't have to do it. His sacrifice on the cross makes everything new. His sacrifice on the cross and his blood that was shed cleanses me from all of my sin. His sacrifice on the cross is the apex of history. The history is defined by his sacrifice on the cross and my life has meaning and purpose as I, as I, as I take that sacrifice into my own life and receive the redeeming blood and 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 acknowledge the ransom that was paid for my salvation. My life has purpose. You see, I think that leadership, leadership, godly leadership, is where there is this selfless motivation that we can never get too high to serve. That we never position ourselves out of service. That we never get so high and mighty that we can't bend our knees and put the towel around our waist and serve. That, that, that we need the type of servant good that Jesus had. This selfless motivation. But not only that, our service means that we come, that we are living, that our journey in this life is to serve others. I remember years ago going to funerals of some of the older saints. One of the songs that I don't hear as much anymore at some of the funerals that were done, especially by those who who had lived lives where where they gave back to their community. The song would be sung and one of the lines would be, if my life was worth living, if I could help somebody along the way, that my life, my life will not be in vain. Men and women, we, we, we need to make sure that our aim is godly leadership. We need to require leadership from our political, godly leadership from our political leaders. We need them not to decide to serve self, but to serve others. That there needs to be this sacrifice, this sacrificial nature of our servanthood and our leadership that the definition of leadership ought to change in our society. Who can be the most selfless? Who can serve the most? And who can give and sacrifice of themselves for the larger good? Men and women, remember Jesus. Remember we serve a God who was selfless. Remember we serve a God who gave Himself for others. Remember that Jesus did not come To get our service, but to give us His service. Remember that Jesus didn't come to gather your merit, but to show you grace. Remember that Jesus didn't come to count up your works, but to show His mercy on your behalf. Jesus didn't come to look for treasure, but to bestow upon you unsearchable treasures. Jesus didn't come for those who think they're righteous but to those who know that they are sinners. Jesus didn't come for those who think they're healthy, but to heal those who are spiritually sick. Jesus didn't come to those who think they are found, but to seek and to save those who know that they're lost. Jesus didn't come for those who could see, but for those who were spiritually blind. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. It could be today that you've never asked Jesus to serve you in that way. You felt like you could do it on your own. You felt like it was all about you, so it's all up to you. Jesus says, I know that you struggle. I know that you've got hardship. I know that you're weary and you're heavy laden. I know that you've been trying to serve me. I know that you've been, you're have been, you at your wits end and I know you've been trying and you're exhausted. Jesus says, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Jesus wants to serve you today. And he wants you to acknowledge his sacrifice that makes you new, that cleanses you from your sin and gives you eternal life. Jesus wants you to come to Him so that He can be your servant. He wants to serve you. And He wants to give you that abundant life that He promises you. If you today would like to invite Jesus Christ into your life so that He can serve you and give you the kind of life that He created you for, you can pray with Me. Won't you pray with Me? Won't you ask the Lord to come into your life? Let's pray. Father God, I thank You so much for Your servant's heart. And right now, Father God, if there is one under the sound of my voice that wants to receive You as Savior and Lord, I pray that they would simply pray, Lord Jesus, I need You. Thank You for dying on the cross for my sins. I now open the door of my life and receive You as my Savior and Lord. Thank You for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of the throne of my life. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, Jesus Christ came into your heart, please let us know that you made that decision. It's not about joining our church. It's about you having new life in Jesus Christ. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. God bless you. Until next week. Remember Jesus. We are hardened.